Disclaimer. Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots. Anachronismo. I'm Jackie. My name is Sho. And I'm Max. And today I'll be talking about Oscar Herzl, a con man who pretended to be Sir Francis Drake's heir. And you can be too. <laughs> and today I brought you a story of a Western superpower ruled by a de facto dictator. And they want to start a trade war with China because of trade deficit. Sounds familiar? We'll come to the 1838, the Opium War. First one. Ugh. Oh. First is the worst. I forgot well, no, there they're was all, more than one. They're all terrible. And I will be talking about a cool old appliance that was a dog called the Turnspit Dog. Slobber? All dog slobber. Jackie. Yeah, but, it's true. but like spit isn't its name. Oh, no. It doesn't turn people's spit. It's a short story. I don't want to give it all away at the front. Was this about Sir Francis Drake's heir? So he wasn't his true heir, but that should come as no surprise because Sir Francis Drake died without a true heir. He was married twice. He had no mm. children. And for those of you who need a refresher, I did when I was looking up the story. Sir Francis Drake is a privateer, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. He had a letter of commission from the government that said, go attack our enemies and take their stuff. You are legally a privateer, which means that this is legal. Totally legal. So he was very wealthy from all of the stealing and Pirate. Yeah. Privateering, please. Oh. It's, only, it's only pirating if it's not legal. And this was 100% legal. 100% legal. Like the IRS now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, more like Dog the Bounty Hunter, really. Yeah, um, except with cooler hats and... And not end up in the Mexican jail. Yeah. So tell us about Dog the Francis Drake heir. Hunter. <laughs> woof, woof, woof. So for Sir Francis Drake, like, he saved the English from the Spanish Armada under Queen Elizabeth I. So he was basically a hero to the country, very Mm. rich from all his plundering and privateering. Totally legal. Totally legal. Privateering. So as I said, he was married twice, had no children of his own. So basically from the moment he died, 1596, I believe is when he died, people started wondering what's going to happen to all that money. He doesn't have his own sons. This is 1596? Wow. People write back then? It was mostly a series of smells on paper. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, so. Oral tradition. So. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of spitting oh and smelling mind. it, like <laughs> ants do. That's why people had antenna back then. That's why I wear a hat to cover it. That's right? what the buckle's for. It keeps yeah, the antenna in. Yes, I, I thought so. <laughs> and this rumor stuck around hard, that there was just all of this money... That some of it went to his brother and his nephews, mm-hmm. which is fine. But a rumor persisted that a large chunk of his money was saved for maybe an illegitimate heir or someone who would be the true heir, not this <gasps> nephew or brother. And this was just like a big rumor that came around and that the British government was holding on to this money in a special place whenever the real heir was identified. And whoever could pull Sir Francis Drake's ship out of a stone would be the true heir. And that's a big stone, too. It's a big stone. <laughs> yeah. Very strong, very large person pulling it out of the stone. Yes. <laughs> where it's being kept underground by the British government. 
All right. So naturally, our story resumes 300 years later, while this rumor wow. is still active. That is a lot of gossip. It is. This was in the early 1900s. A scam went across the Midwest, where anyone named Drake was basically approached either through mail or in person by someone who was like, "I think you might be one of the real." <laughs> Wait. <Yeah. laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I got that mail. Except. It's like $2 million, right? Yeah. You have won $2 million. A scam as old as dirt, you know? Basically. Yeah. Wow. You may be entitled to hundreds of rocks if you are able to help this caveman from a faraway cave. <laughs> yes. We will transfer these rocks into your cave. <laughs> Just give us your cave address. <laughs> it's right by the other rock. <laughs> All right, right by the other rock. Rock city. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> Oh, Detroit, yeah. <laughs> Detroit. Uh, <laughs> too soon, man. Too soon. So two swindlers are making their way around the Midwest. Sudie Whitaker. The story was that her brother mm-hmm. was the real heir, mm-hmm. and they needed to get other people to give them money so that they could yes. get this money out from the government. They needed to pay for legal fees. Yes. So if you gave me $5, I would return it at a rate of $1 to $500. Yes, of course. If you helped Sudie Whitaker's brother get this money out of yes. probate oh, i see uh, <laughs> yeah i love how small scale this scam is of like five dollars and you said this was in the was 1800s it was it five dollars no people invested way more than five dollars oh, but oh, the, the return on investment was one to five hundred one to five got it. one to five hundred the promise five hundred five hundred okay, okay. so sudie whitaker and milo lewis are taking their show around the midwest yep. getting people to give them money. And one woman gave her entire life savings at the time, which was $6,500 wow. for this pursuit. And she started to realize something might have been a little fishy with this. So her son, Oscar Hartzell, decided to track down these two people mm-hmm. and try and get the money back. It's a little unclear if he thought the whole thing was a scam or if he just thought this wasn't like the right thing his mom should have done with her life savings. Yeah. So he tracks them down and he gets pulled into the fold of this scam. And from the different stories I've read, it's unclear if he realized it was a scam at mm-hmm, the time mm-hmm. or if he was just like, this seems like an awesome thing I should get involved with. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe he just hates his mom. Maybe he committed the cardinal sin of the con artist. He got too close. He fell in love. Fell in love. He fell in love. You can't fight the scam when you're in love. You got to go with it. You got to follow your heart. Follow for your love. Heart. For love. That's for love right. and money. And screw his mom. <laughs> hey, you know. Yeah. There was never closure on the mom story, like if he gave her her money back or Is anything Is there any like closure on any mom story, guys? Ever? Oh, hopefully. That's a, that's a deeper question than we usually deal with on it. Anachronismo. That's, that's for our sister podcast, Philosophonismo. Family relationismo. Ismo, sorry. So he tracks down these two people and becomes part of their con group. He's been described as a very, like, open sort of simple genial kind of man so he was a great face for this because mm-hmm. he got people to trust him because he was yes. so trustworthy seeming mm-hmm. like a true confidence man he's like i'm just a simple country doctor he was a failed cattle rancher failed farmer uh, failed assistant deputy so he found his calling shep not shepherd sheriff shepherd. Shepherd. <laughs> failed shepherd all the sheep got away he was oh, jesus guys he was jesus mm-hmm. oh this guy's not jesus <laughs> but he Wait, was was jesus was. a failed shepherd <laughs> whoa he, but did he turn to, to i, I didn't see religious... any real sheep did that's you? fair yeah. <laughs> that's right i guess he turned to religious proselytizing because he doesn't have any actual sheep that's right it's all metaphorical ones <laughs> yes <laughs> metaphorical shepherd too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So while Oscar and Sudi and Milo are all doing this con, he eventually kind of cuts them out of the deal. Mm-hmm. And he took over? He took over. He took over. He expanded the thing. So it wasn't love. It wasn't love. <laughs> love <laughs> money. There's no uh, love money. Root of all evil. Not Jesus. Conclusively. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Because Jesus did not care about money at all. Mm-mm-mm. That's why he fell as a shipper. That's why he flipped all those money changing tables. Yeah. If he cared about money, he would have taken the money off first and then flipped them. <laughs> That's right. So he took over the operation. So he took over the operation and he expanded it out. Because previously they were only contacting people who had Drake in their name. But he was like, people get married. People change their names. People like to believe that they're entitled to a lot of money. We're mm-hmm. just going to spam everyone. <laughs> And apparently it got really divisive mm-hmm. in towns because, like, half the town would believe this rumor that was going around that they could get a piece of the Sir Francis Drake fortune and half wouldn't. And it would be this whole divisive thing. So in 1922, the British government says, hey, this doesn't exist. We're not custodians of a giant sum of money for Sir Francis Drake. And everyone's like, that's what you would say. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, yes. no one believes it. No one believes it at all. So in 1924, Oscar moves to London, and he does this ostensibly to say that he's working on the court case, Mm -hmm. that he's there talking to the lawyers on the ground, making sure it's happening. And he has a lot of agents back in the United States who are getting more subscribers, more and more people to join. he franchised this? Oh. Ultimately, one of the high count that I saw was that 80,000 people were... Wow. In this con. So he's sending letters back to the United States being like, this is the progress that I'm making. And a lot of the time it's like, oh, if we could just have, yep, we just need a little more money. We're so close. Just a little more money. And you might be saying, 1924, that's getting close to the Great Depression. Oh, it's past World War One. my bad. Did he cause the Great Depression? He did. He did not cause the Great Depression. He swindled everyone out of their dollars. And now he's, (laughs) now he caused the Great Depression. He didn't cause the Great Depression, but it did have an impact on how much money people were giving him. They were trying to cling on to hope, so they gave him more money. No! More money. Yeah. They had less. Yeah, it was bad. And there was a very popular article in the Saturday Morning Post, uh, sorry, the Saturday Evening Post, where a Just 12 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> it's really... Just the prime time. 12 hours more. Wait more. long enough and the Morning Post becomes the Evening Post. <laughs> yes. Sorry, please go on. Um, So there was an article by an economist who was trying to encourage deficit spending Mm -hmm. during the Depression because he thought it would be helpful rather Mm -hmm. than cutting spending. Mm -hmm. And as an example, he brought up how all of the booty collected by Sir Francis Drake was infused into the English economy at the time and was very helpful. And that had the effect of everyone feeling like, oh my God, it says Sir Francis Drake. This is real. This is a sign. This is a sign. We're on the right track. And they gave more money. Like, it was just, it's so sad. So people just keep giving money, keep giving money, living on this hope. Ugh, it was just so depressing. Uh, it so was by- a really great, great depression. depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ha-cha-cha-cha. Yeah. So by 1928, the U.S. government is actively trying to stop him. And the person in charge of that is the U.S. Postal Service Inspector, John mm. Sparks. I think... The post office, actually, like, there's a postmaster general. Mm-hmm. They are, like, legal officers. They're legally allowed yeah. to carry guns, yeah. 
And they'll mail bullets too. We can't mail bullets. <laughs> they, can, they, can. they can mail bullets for the post. You open up the envelope. And bam! <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they, just, they just shoot into the envelope and yeah. then seal it up and mail it. And it comes yeah. <laughs> So unfortunately, the British government couldn't do anything because he wasn't breaking any laws in England. He was mm. just getting money. Yeah. Blind people, mm. I guess. So the British government couldn't really help. But by 1933, the U.S. had enough evidence to extradite Hartzell. And it's not just that Hartzell was like, raking in the dough he was living a lavish lifestyle in london he like took to swaggering around town that was one of the lines that i saw about it swaggering Swaggering. around town it didn't talk too much about his excess just about his swaggering and his did he also genuflex (laughs) he had had a much younger mistress which is not unexpected Uh, i'm sorry jackie uh it doesn't break my heart it just means people are terrible (laughs) unless they're in love then i guess it's fine what if it was love what if he was in love with his mistress? Oh, not that again. What if he not knew that, that he needed to do a million-dollar scheme to fall in love no. in London? We can't blame someone for love. <laughs> not that it's again. It's a love show. Oh. <laughs> Follow your heart. Jackie will break if, our heart pretty soon with a real... If following your heart means scamming thousands of people out of their life savings at their most vulnerable point, who are we to judge? It's true. It's love! <laughs> Isn't that what all... Romantic comedies have taught us anything is permissible as long as it's for love. All right, all That's right. True. That's the true lesson of history. Wow, <laughs> well, Henry the Eighth. It was love. You have to have had a couple of wives before you find the right one. The young one, you mean? Oh, the one capable of giving him an heir. Let's be yeah. honest here. So another one of his Great Depression arguments was that in his letters back, he would say, you know. The U.S. powers that be are stopping me from giving you the Drake fortune because it would mess with the economy right now. Because the economy's in such a bad shape because of the Great Depression. I can't infuse the U.S. economy with all this money. The government is stopping me. Which I found to be, like, a ridiculous. That, there's no logic there. I this is just what he did. When you're hungry, not eating, you'll, re- you'll, ex- you'll agree to anything. Sure, and then you'll eat that letter. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets extradited to the United States. What year was this? 1933. All right. And he gets sentenced to 10 years in prison and a $2,000 fine for mail fraud. 2000 That's it? That's it. It's just insane. But in his first year in jail, people did not give up on this. People thought he was still telling the truth and thought he was being unfairly punished. And he collected another $500,000 for the scheme Wait, while he was in jail. Is there some total of how much he collected over this life of scam? It was definitely millions of dollars. It was unclear to me in this article if that was current right. money or okay. past money. But it did say that he got millions of dollars through this scheme. Because it was 15 years of a scam. And what did he do after he got out of jail? He died in jail. For murder? Murder? No, he, murder. he got cancer and oh. died in jail. So he didn't die of a broken heart? Because it was love. He loved scamming. <laughs> There's like a little bit that I think you'll find enjoyable. While he was in jail, he wrote an autobiography, which I think has been released by Scotland. Did he double down on it being real or did he admit it was all a fake? He started going crazy and started thinking he was really Sir Francis Drake. So yeah. it's not, no, a it's not good. Yeah. Not a page turner. No. So, lackluster ending to the story of him going mad in jail and dying of cancer. Mm. How old was he? He was 42 when he started the scam. So, wow, he would have been 57. Man. Yeah. Something like that. He died in 1943. Wow. Yeah. Midst of World War II. That's what they say. Really, he was freed and put to work for the U.S. government scamming the Nazis. But yes, he had to fake his death. He was too. He was too rich. 
he, you know, they had to make sure he couldn't access his savings and like back out of it. So they faked yeah. his death and sent him off to scam the Nazis and drain money from Hitler's coffer. They flipped him. A Frank Abagnale Jr., except without checks, just with scams. That's right. He's like, hey, Nazis, did you know you were the... Descendant of Francis Drake, and they're like, we suspected, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we read some guy die in jail for that. This is an active rumor 300 years later. (laughs) Like, that's insane to me. How how was that still on people's minds? People love gossip. I guess. And I guess if... If you're picking on people specifically with Drake and their names, yeah. they probably know of Sir Francis Sir Drake. Francis so, I mean, any rumor of, like, treasure lives on a long time because mm. people love treasure. Yeah. People, people love it. It becomes a myth. So it might have been more of a myth than a gossip thing. If someone's like, oh, I know where King Arthur's buried, people might believe it. But I prefer the idea that it's active gossip, like people trading over their fences. Did you hear that there is treasure that's just out there somewhere? The British government got it from Francis Drake. Maybe it's yours. I don't know. It's for his true heir. Anyway, pass it on. Oh, also, Deborah's been sleeping with everybody. <laughs> but that that was just such a wild story to me. So skins yeah. have always existed, will continue to exist. So yeah, don't give any money to someone who emails you saying they have a lot of money, but they just need a little bit for legal fees. Mm, too late. Don't do it. <laughs> too late. <laughs> so how would you scam people out of their life savings? You know, people do do that. You could start fundraising to for your ventures. You can hold town meetings as whoever want to invest. People do do that for legitimate businesses. You can go to a bank says. True. You can have a business plan. We file a business plan with a bank, and it just says scam at the top. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is already more work than I'm willing to put in a scam. Okay, what would you name your scam? The good ones are, you know, the the Nigerian ones. You could be a prince. Mm -hmm. You inherited this Mm -hmm. money. Um, The name of a scam would be Greed. Greed Incorporated? Greed Incorporated. (laughs) It's a limited liability corporation. Let's get greedy. Oh, Let's yeah. get greedy. Let's get greedy TM. Yes. Uh, Copyright. Okay, that's like game a show. pretty good business tag. Yeah. Let's get greedy. Let's get greedy. I feel like that would encourage people to invest. That's, that's the point. That's the point. Let's get greedy yeah. together. 100% return on your investment. 1,000% return on the next two investments. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. I was thinking real small. I was yeah. like, maybe I'll have a sticker machine that you know you see in the grocery store but it only spits out stickers every four times ah. so then i get <laughs> all those quarters that's small change people would just have it replaced replace my sticker machine yeah no, i machine. have a contract with the grocery store they gotta keep <laughs> it oh, oh i see i see yeah i'd yeah, say 100 percent return on investments if, if you give us a dollar we give you a dollar back you got a dollar back dollar for dollar yeah. <laughs> so i just hand them the money back and it's just really just an elaborate just moving money around scheme but you know where I really get all my money is when I get tangled up in court things with mm. the grocery stores because they want to remove the sticker machines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then if they pay a certain amount, I'll terminate our contract early. So that's oh, that's, that's really right. where I make all the money. So the really termination s- clause has a very high penalty rate. So you're really scamming the grocery stores. I'll do whoever I get the most money from. Okay, okay. I really like that you're targeting the, the vulnerable grocery stores. Ah. <laughs> uh. They're just trying to sell food. I mean, maybe I won't do, like, a local franchise of the IGA, okay. but I don't know. I don't have too much sympathy for Stop and Shop. Yeah. Or... Anyway. All right. <laughs> From this to uh, war. War. <laughs> Opium war. This was the 1830s, mm-hmm. and England was the world's most powerful economy. And with it, the Honorable East India Company 
was one of the world's biggest corporation, I believe. So is Honorable part of their real title? I think so. Yep, yep. They the Honorable, Honorable East India Company. Oh, well, you talked about this when I talked about Robert Fortune, who went to steal teeth from the Chinese as a direct result of the opium wars, because China decided to stop buying opium and start growing it. And then they were like, well, we're not going to have anything to trade with China anymore. He sent him to steal it. It's false uh, advertising. Yeah, Putting yeah. Honorable right in the name? They, they, I'll explain that. It's actually very funny. Mm-hmm. Um... How they, they do stick with honorable. So England was importing a lot of tea from China, and I think that's where the turn all the tea in China came from. Yep. So five percent of its GDP was spent on tea. So much. I think they had to invest it in silver too, because it was one of the few things they could trade. Is I that, believe so. Is that right? They, they do. Yeah, they pay in silver. Yeah. Silver was the the common currency. Yeah. They sold opium to buy silver to then buy tea. <laughs> Actually, the scam is, is like this. So England, they, they gave the Honorable East India Company, which we'll call just like H-E-I-C for short. H-E-I-C. That's okay. much I'll better. I'll try and remember Much that. easier to roll up a tongue. Uh, it also went by just the Honorable Company for short. All oh, right. Oh, really? H-E. Yeah. T-H-C, the learning channel. Wait. Yeah. That's T-H-C. <laughs> T-H-C. Oh. I feel like every time I learned about the Honorable East India Company in... High school. It was always just the East India Company. They all right, skipped all right. the honorable. The liberal uh, New York textbooks. I'll let you guys be the judge. So <laughs> they let the company, the government let this company money to invade India. And India thought it was going to generate a huge amount of revenue from growing cotton. Little did they know. They can't compete with slave labor from the U.S. U.S. has the best cotton industry. So they couldn't grow cotton there. They're like, ah, oh, we own a lot of money because we have to buy tea. <laughs> what should we do? We can plant poppies. So, but being honorable, they did not sell poppy and opium to China in China because it's illegal. Chinese uh, has banned opium since the 1700s. So they sold it in Calcutta. It would make Mother Teresa proud. They set up a huge <laughs> shop in Calcutta and just say, just come buy it. We don't care who comes. Just come pay money for it. And the Chinese crossed the border, got that extra sweet opium. Oh, no. And went back. Um, the reason they had to do that also is back then, China was a very insular country. You only had one port system, the Canton. And it made you go through huge, any trader go through huge amount of red tapes to trade. And British was not happy about that. And just to give you a perspective, it went in the 1300s, I believe, they were selling about 3 million pounds of opium per year. And by the beginning of the war, 1839, they were selling close to 6 million pounds of opium every year. Oh my god. Jiminy Crimbo. So much. So the story is that, hey, drug is bad, except when you're selling it. When you're backed by the most powerful country in the world with the most powerful corporation in the world. That doesn't sound relevant to modern day. No, not at all, not at all. <laughs> of course, the Chinese was not happy that there were all these like drug addicts. And they appointed a very, still very, very honorable minister called Lin Zhu Xu to start the Anti-Opian Task Force. So people still talk about him because he was like, oh, if only more people like Lin stuck around. We'll call him LZX because it sounds cooler. So he says like, oh, I'm going to crack down all the opium dams and I'm going to uh, seize all opium supplies. So he surrounded in Canton, the, the warehouse where all the Westerners were gathering around and he put them under siege, says, surrender all your products. And of course they did not, but being uh, merchants, they couldn't fight 
the local uh, military. They couldn't ask for a bullet to be mailed to them. They <laughs> didn't have guns. They didn't have like, Could they, they just had to, like, throw coins, and that's not going to do much. No, they all have only have money and opium, so yeah. they end up just giving up all their opium. They gave up about 20,000 chests or 2.6 million pounds of opium. This is equivalent to about 15% of the England's military spending at that time. Holy cow! So there was a lot Dang. of money. And guess what happened to all that money? They threw it into the river a la... The no, they, they won a natural high, so they... No. <laughs> <laughs> they did burn it. LZX did burn it, but... He burned all the opium and got the whole city high. high. No, he um, he laced it first with some nutri like a neutralizer, so nobody got high. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, nobody got high because the merchant was very unhappy right afterward. They complained to the, the government... Uh, their own government about this is an illegal seizure of British goods and then of course the government want to intervene but LZX says no you're on China and you follow Chinese laws obviously the British was not happy about that and during that time two drunken British sailors beat up some local poor guys no and kill him oh my god and then the the captain in charge in Canton was uh, Captain Charles Elliot he was like I'll work with you LZX I'm going to sentence these sailors to hard labor back in England. So they got off scot-free. Who knows? We don't know. Oh, okay. So LZX was obvious like, this is not good enough. Yeah. They need to be killed. So he's like, if that's the case, if you're going to send them back to England for hard labor, then you can't buy any more food food from us. Wow. No more food? No more wow. food. So they can't even make the trip back. Well, so they, they retreated to an island that is now a barren rock that is now called Hong Kong. And I, I'm not familiar. I know. Nobody heard of HK. Nobody heard of HK. Yeah, HK. Yeah. Snappier than Hong Kong. <laughs> so, of course, they're hungry on the island. So, Captain Elliot tried to buy some food by, you know, sneak around the blockade around the island. He was stopped by the Chinese, and they was got into some fighting, and it was the start of the first Opium War. 1839. The Opium War was fought around the city of Canton. And if you want to imagine U.S., because I know, even though this podcast has very metropolitan mm-hmm. listeners, I just want to describe it. If you imagine the city of Tampa, Florida, that's where about city of Canton is located. In comparison, they have to get their command. Uh-huh. LCX have to get a command from Beijing, which is basically in Boston. Dang. Oh, that's really far. So that's very far. Yeah, that's a long way to march. That's a well, no, he's, or sail. He, was, he was already there. Oh, see, yeah, but... they're gonna use the postal service. Oh, okay, mail mail the soldiers, or yep. just have them just shoot into envelopes and then just open them at the front. Open them at the front. That's right. Yeah. Except the Chinese soldier and postmaster were all addicted to heroin. I mean, uh, oh, opium. Just oh, opium. No. So yeah, so all the soldier Chinese soldier were not very effective. But let me back up a little bit. So the emperor like was not very happy. Like LZX was like not getting things basically just causing a lot of trouble and a lot of tension because while he was very righteous yeah. and all the Chinese now said if more people like LZX he was a loose cannon he was he, he had to cut through all the red tape but he was he was causing too much property damage he flipped 13 palanquins in that last chase palanquins what's a palanquin uh, it's like a rickshaw yeah like a rickshaw except instead of having wheels it's like two oh. on the front and someone on the back yes yes, yes. Yeah, yeah if you only had a partner there was more calm. More, more by the book? Yeah, more by Oh, the this book. is exactly where I want this to go. <laughs> oh, unfortunately. Oh, the Emperor fired I got him. so excited. Oh. He did have oh. the Emperor replace him with basically someone who was, was oh, more by the book. book. A better negotiator by Qi Shing. Qi Shang. Q, let's just call him QS. Okay. 
QS. A lot of acronyms on this. I will warn because you, it's... terrible at acronyms. Why, <laughs> <laughs> oh, An Acronymismo. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I brought an acronym because yeah. you're... Acronymsmo. I see. Yeah. I see. That makes sense. Or AS for short. <laughs> <laughs> AS as some people prefer to call it. Yeah. This show really is a whole bunch of ass. Yeah. Sorry, please go on. It was All replaced right. by a more by-the-books... Uh, QS. Qui- Qui-Shen, um And then QS. So he's a, more like a better negotiator. And then at this time, Captain Elliot called for backup. And then guess what? The England sent in. A ship call. Okay, I'll let you answer. Let's let's guess first. Oh, um, I'm guessing. Okay, so you already said a ship. Yeah. So I'm guessing uh, a ship called the Love Boat, and they said oh. about seducing all of the oh. uh, higher up officials. All right. Oh, what do you think, Jackie? Mm, I think it's a ship, but it's followed by like forty more ships. So an armada. That's what that's called. That's called an armada, Jackie. All right. I was following the sentence structure. Oh, I see. Yes. I see. It's called set up and pay off. Standard comedy. A shipment of an armada. You laugh. It worked. Set up and pay off. Standard comedy. That's good. I don't know if it was a whole bunch of a ship called armada, but it was called a ship called Nemesis. Okay, I think I That's have not that. sinister the at all. The first ironclad steamship, ironclad, so that means cannon bounces off. Mm-hmm. And it also, it also has shallow drought, specifically designed to travel around the river of Canton. Imagine, like, on Florida, the swamp, it can, this warship can, on the swamp, basically. So like you could, like, sail up the Charles. Uh, yeah, so you, can, you can fall them back yeah. to the home instead of being stuck in the ocean part. Okay. You can, like, we'll come get you. So and scary. steam powered. I'm just picturing like a horror movie of just a boat chasing people through that. It's gonna, it's coming to get you. Covered in metal and spitting out steam, anywhere. and can yeah. go in the river where you don't think it can. Yeah. This sounds awful. Anywhere there's water, it can sail. You open the doors in your bathtub, cannons <laughs> aiming right at you. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically yeah. That's basically it. It did not sink out. It basically dominated. So as you can imagine, this is also where the term gumbo diplomacy. I believe came from uh, well, that's in English, so maybe they call it something different. But we, I believe, the English translate as gumbo diplomacy. Whereas, like, hey, city of Kentang, do you want to negotiate or should we show off our ship more? It probably doesn't sound as cool in um, in Mandarin. In Mandarin, it probably like I mean, because gumbo diplomacy sounds kind of like cool and showy in yeah. English. I feel like what uh, they would call it in Canton would probably be a lot more swear filled. They would. They call it a devil ship because it would not sink. It's immortal. Dang. It's immortal. So, devil ship dickery. That's my, that's my vote. That's probably what they devil call it. Ship devil ship dickery. Yes, yes. It's true. So, Queen Shen, QS, negotiated with Captain Elliot. This was actually a very good negotiation when, where both sides are unhappy. And the Chinese side was settled by paying how much the opium was worth. Six million pounds, silver pounds. But that's 15% of the GDP. That's still... That's uh, so much money. That is a lot of money. Uh, 15% of their military spending. Oh, sorry. Military, military spending. 5% of the GDP. Okay. It's a T. 5% of the GDP is how much tea English drinking. Needless to say, it's a lot of money. And then I believe uh, Elliot also give the Hong Kong back. I believe in some turn, they reach a place where nobody loses face. The Chinese give them the money, and Elliot use that money to buy Hong Kong. But there's no no face loss, because they're not occupying. They bought it. But this turn never ended up finalized, because... The, the Queen Victoria and Emperor Dao Guang, or EDG. 
<laughs> sure. They were not happy with the deal. Can we also say QV for Queen Victoria? I feel like if we're using acronym yes. for one side, it's, it's very useful. It's for both. Fair. So QV and EDG started a cool band, played a lot of EDM music. Yes. Yeah. They toured the world. Actually, speaking of EDM, Dao Guang actually means the way to enlightenment, way to light, which you see a lot of, in EDM. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lights. So it would be a great. Perfect transition, yeah. 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 So they were not happy with the deal. And then both sides, they think they could get a better deal. And they they sent a letter to fire Elliot and Christian. And this being England and so was... they fired both of the negotiators. They both, <laughs> the, the negotiator who says, let's come up with a way when neither side will lose face, fire, both fire. Because the superior who live far, very, very far away think they can control they it better. It. And they can get a better deal. Man, that sounds like such mismanagement from above. Yes. <laughs> like, we're all okay, but you should have crushed them. Yes. You're they, both fired. They're okay because they're, they're in Boston about Tampa. There's a store in Tampa, the Boston sound effect. So, but actually, QV did have a right idea. She knew how, how good her devil ships were. So, <laughs> while Captain Alia was still there, she sent uh, more soldiers. And actually, Alia had fucked out. Like, uh, she, he was fired four months later into the invasion like uh, oh. of the British sailing up the Yangtze River to start catching like city port like Sh- uh, Shanghai uh, they went all the way to Nanking which is a huge basically the southern capital so if you can Im- imagine Yangtze River connects Beijing and uh, Nanking it's basically a central river the heart connects the heart of uh, China and if you control the southern end you can choke off anything that goes up to Beijing hmm. so Beijing once they reach Nanking Beijing and Emperor was like, oh, we gotta negotiate now because, you know, you better negotiate while you still can. Otherwise, once they take a city, there's no negotiation mm-hmm. because they, they will lose. They can just starve them out. So they, they negotiated. And again, during all these time, there's this story of like British coming and then they, they would be, after they take over a port, they find a lot of opium peripheralias. It's like if you go into like, if you beat your enemy, you're like, oh, you have a lot of drug needles and syringes and like crack pipes. No wonder you're not fighting because you are, you're very tired. You did not get good sleep last night. So the English easily won. And then the emperor negotiated. But you can imagine if you, if you're losing and you're negotiating, they end up coming from six million silver pieces to 21 million silver pieces. Oof. They gave up Hong Kong in perpetuity. Instead of like just having a buying deal, and they set up, I believe, five instead of just Canton, they have five uh, trade zone now where the British will have basically sovereignty. They will everybody will be who trade there will be under British rule. So this is actually the communists now will call this the start of a hungry year of shame, where the Westerners came in and like start ruling Chinese and make these unequal agreements yeah. where yeah. the Chinese keep giving away more and more and getting yeah. back less and less. So this is basically the end of the first Opium War, and this was. What a lot of people say, this is what energizes the local Chinese says, the, the government's not helping us. We got a revolution. Even after the first war, opium is still not legalized. That's which will lead to the second opium war. Or to make them, force them to legalize opium so they can sell it more easily. Yes, yes, because the Chinese were still eating a lot of opium. In fact, by 1958, 1858, they were importing 4,500 tons of opium, which is equivalent to what opium was producing in 2000s. So they were, they were buying as much opium with the old uh, production. By hand production with no machines. In yeah. 1858 as 2000. Wow. Jeez. As they produced in 2000. Yes. Dang. That's crazy. Yeah, so the Chinese was eating a lot of opium. I mean, uh, I keep saying eating. <laughs> They're consuming a lot of opiums. Yeah, so that's basically the end of my story. Um, 
because oh, it, it leads to more. Uh, and, and it's sad. It's not sad because it eventually leads to a very strong country. But yeah, for hungry years, there was just more concessions made. In fact, the U.S. invaded China. They don't know history as part of a big、uh, armada.、Mm. What? Callback. <laughs> There, There it is. There it is. Callback. I knew we'd say armada correctly. <laughs> For once. For once. Ah.、Uh. Every、yeah. other episode, we say it wrong. I'm sure I said Spanish Armada for Sir Francis Drake. Maybe twice in one episode. Well,、oh、we're we're knocking、God. out of the park. Maybe I didn't. If not, just superimpose me saying Spanish Armada. Okay, can we, let's just get a clean take of it. Spanish Armada. Spanish Armada. Great. Armada. Spanish Armada. Okay, Sir Francis Drake helped save England from the Spanish. Armada. There we go. A lot of、uh, people may not know what Opium Dam is, but a lot of people love Sherlock. I'm sure a lot of people listen to this podcast. In the story, the man with the twisted lip. It was taking place in the Opium Dam, where people just lounge around, smoking opium all day, all、yeah. day, all day, every day, instead of fighting foreigners.、Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's also interesting. Opium has remained completely legal in、uh, England. Really? Yeah. Opium is legal in England. Not now, but during all these wars,、oh, okay. it was all legal in England. That's why Sherlock, like he in in the opium den, it's all legal. It's all legal. He's not committing a crime. Yeah. There. Didn't know that. Yeah. Opium is legal. It's it's it was incredibly frowned upon、uh, to go to an opium den. You're supposed to be able to control your urges and not have to sit around、uh, and depend on people to bring you opium until you lose money. Yeah, money. Well, at least, all right. England is terrible in this, but I, I at- feel like the subtitle for a lot of our episodes <laughs> could be "England is terrible."、Uh, sorry to our British listeners, your country has done terrible things, terrible, like constantly. And we're no angels here in America, but like, damn, England, you fucked shit up. Yeah. Well, I was thinking. I was thinking that in this whole story, it was illegal in England to smoke opium, and then they were being like super extra jerks by trying to make it legal in China. But it was But, legal, and Chinese was illegal, and the honorable right, Indian company did not sell in China because they don't want to break the law.、Mm-hmm. Right. I thought it was coming from where it was illegal、yeah. in England, and they were like, "It should be legal here, so we can make money." But it's、so、funny. It's they use it's more tea. They love tea. Was their opium? Tea is great. I get it. I drink a ton of tea. I understand how they could spend five percent of their GDP.、Do、I'd probably you, spend at least. Do you spend fifteen percent of your military budget on tea? At least. I don't really have a military budget. Because <laughs> it's all tea. It's all tea. <laughs> a tea budget. I, I'm more of a diplomacy budget.、Um, yeah. I definitely spend at least five percent of my gross domestic income on tea. Like, I'm not ashamed. I don't want to calculate it. It's rough. <laughs> it's not rough.、Uh, you live longer. It's true, and it's delicious, and you enjoy it. You enjoy it more. I didn't realize that's how、uh, England got got Hong Kong. Yes,、um, in the second Opium War, they officially gave the turn. Ninety nine years. That's why nineteen ninety seven. They not only got Hong Kong, they got a bunch more places,、yeah. and they had to return it by nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, there's been a whole thing with the like reintegration of Hong Kong and how it's been like、yeah. weird. They did not want to go back to Chinese rule. Yeah. So a lot of people would say、um, same thing even with、uh, occupation of India. A lot some Indians says, "Oh, we got civilized."、Uh, who knows, right? I, I, I'm not Indian, so I don't know. But same thing in Taiwan, where I grew up, where my grandpa, even though there was a brutal occupation by the Japanese, some Taiwanese was like the Japanese really brought structure and rule and discipline. Interesting.、So、maybe those are the few who benefited. When did you move from Taiwan? Oh,、uh, 1993. I actually never been to Hong Kong. I went a few years ago. 
And it's the people there, because in China, there is, right now, there is extreme rich and extreme poor. Mm. So the rich are buying up the, the already super expensive Hong Kong real estate. Mm-hmm. And the poor people want to move there and work because the wage is very high in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And they cannot, but because it's one China now, anybody, any Chinese citizen can go in. So they're, they're having a lot of problem there. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Do you guys have any questions about more um, the aftermath or what ended up happening? No, that was that was really, that was really interesting. interesting. Every every time I hear about the opium wars, I'm always like, "Oh yeah, what the hell, England? Just literally marching in there, it's like it's like holding someone at gunpoint, and being like, now smoke all this opium, smoke it, smoke it, smoke it. Now buy it from me.' <laughs> and then when you're under influence, you're like, "Okay." Then when they rebelled later, when they were like, "This is terrible for us," they were like, "How dare you? You signed a treaty under duress, <laughs> <Yeah>. super duress." <laughs> like, oh my god, the devil ship at your port. That ship sounds. Mm, the yeah, they know. They they call it a nemesis. Nemesis, and and yeah, yeah they 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 know. They, they know. They built when they built this ship. They know it was going to kick it out. But yeah, I'm trying to think of a good hypothetical from this that's not super depressing. Yeah. What if they smoke weed instead? Have you ever thought? <laughs> yeah. What what if what if England forced China to smoke weed instead? <laughs> You'd be peace, man. It'd be totally cooler. There'd be fewer overdoses. No overdoses. All their soldiers would be <laughs> super chill. There'd be no overdose but there would still the chill part does not help with the, <laughs> the, with the like but they're not addicted they're not addicted <laughs> yeah. so they're not being kept up all oh, night they don't have the sweats true. maybe maybe China would have repelled England because they weren't all addicted Dope to up. opium and instead they were just super high on weed and maybe the the negotiation would have been way chiller because they're like yeah Let's smoke some weed. Yeah. But then they'll Hell still yeah. get fired from their bosses hundreds and hundreds of miles away. So what if they get their boss addicted to the weed? Have Queen Victoria and Emperor... Emperor EDG. QV and EDG just get high together. I know. You know that would they be so- trade crowns. You know, oh, see how they look. did not have a crown. It's okay. more like a hat. Could trade hats. It's a soft. Yeah, no, yeah. She had a crown, right? Yeah, no, but a crown is just a, a metal hat. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Crown oh. is, a crown is just a metal hat. That's right. You know, covered in gems. They trade yes. hats. Yes. They see how the other one looks. They get an understanding of their lives, you know, because yeah. heaviest hair, head that wears the crown or hat. Yes. You know, maybe she's like, your head's really heavy with this crown on. Your head's really light with this hat on. Now we understand each other. Yes. And then they're like, they're giggling about it. They're having fun. They sign a treaty. No one gets screwed on the deal for once. They both play with the Queen's corgis. It's a great time. Only marijuana. Only if, <laughs> if only Queen Victoria got high on marijuana. Marijuana is still illegal in China. So oh, yeah. I think punishable by death. Really? Really. Marijuana. It's basically a dictatorship. So very hard on my influencing drugs. Okay, on not a not a punishable by death, but still sad note, the current queen's last corgi passed away. <gasps> no, let's have a moment of silence. Her last guys. corgi, nice mm-hmm. moment of silence. Can't she get more corgis? Yes, yes. I wonder if she thinks she's gonna too die. Too old yeah. for too old for she dogs. She doesn't want to outlive her new corgi. I don't know. I don't know. Her, I don't know her frame of mind. She body. loves those dogs. Poor Queen Victoria. Queen Elizabeth. Poor Queen Elizabeth. Not Victoria. I don't know her name. It's, I don't know it's Elizabeth. Is, right now it's Elizabeth. Yeah, it's yeah. Queen Elizabeth. Oh. Is it in yeah. the second? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Old, old, old Kiwi. Kiwi Tui. Kiwi Tui. Kiwi Tui. Kiwi Tui. I love that. That is a good segue to my story. Queen has dogs. Well, so do common people. Yes. Uh, which <laughs> the common people the common have dogs. The common people had dogs uh, when they had them as appliances back in the day. Mm. 
So, I'm going to talk to you about the Turnspit Dog, also known as the Vernipator Kerr. Like, is there... Here, Kenmore. Here, Kenmore. General <laughs> Electric. Come here. Come here. Maytag. Come here. Gee. <laughs> 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 the Turnspit Dog was a dog that was bred to run on a wheel inside a British home. Now, why was it bred to run on a wheel? So we all know rotisseries, right? Turn meat on a spit to get it to cook evenly oh. and roast on its own juices, right? Mm-hmm. But that takes forever. It's a slow-cooking thing. You know, you don't want to be standing there all day doing that, turning the spit. So there had to be ways to get this done. Have mm. a child. That was actually one of them. You would have a small child who was the lowest in the kitchen hierarchy stand behind a bale of wet hay and turn the crank for hours, and their fingers would blister from doing it. It sounded a lot cuter when I thought of it. Another way for rich people or people with chimneys that were constructed properly was they had... Crank from outside? (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, They would have... A smoke jack, which was air a spin wheel set inside the chimney that turned with the motion of the air up the chimney being mm. raised by the fire. And that was good because that moved with how hot the fire was. And that was very, very easy. But most cool. people couldn't afford that. Uh, and most people didn't want to have their boy have this hand blistered from turning this crank. So what did they do? They turned to our best friend, the dog. Mm. As early as the 1600s, mm. there were in British kitchens, there were dogs in wheels. Uh, with, like, a, with, like a hamster wheel? Like a hamster wheel, but dog-sized. Dog mm. Running <laughs> to keep the spit turning. And they would often have two dogs so they could uh, work in shifts because oh, one dog would tired. Yeah. yeah. St. Al Battery. So there's actually a very good little thing. <laughs> uh, so here's, For our here, listeners, they're looking at a picture of a dog. It's yeah, very so good. It's cute. In a very cute. hamster wheel thing. There's, um, so here's a, a description written by John George Wood in 1853 from the Illustrated Natural History, parentheses, Mammalia. So this is the, a description of someone, like, watching this happen. <laughs> At one extremity of the spit was fastened a large circular box or hollow wheel, something like the wire wheels, which are so often appended to squirrel cages. And in this wheel, and that's a whole other thing squirrels! to unpack. Oh, squirrels were kept as pets. Yeah. And in this wheel, the dog was accustomed to perform its daily task by keeping it continually working. As the labor would be too great for a single dog, it was usual to keep at least two animals for the purpose and to make them relieve each other at regular intervals. The dogs were quite able to appreciate the lapse of time and, if not relieved from their toils at the proper hour, would leap out of the wheel without orders and force their companions to take their place and complete their portion of the daily toil. Oh my god. Now, that could be like that they're like, oh, the dog got out of the wheel, we gotta put the new dog in. But I like to it picture... It like he's nuzzling, not nuzzling, <laughs> nudging the other dog into the wheel. Pushing the other dog in the <laughs> Your wheel. turn. Get in there. Get in. Get I'm in. Done. I quit. <laughs> no, I, I took a race. It's my break now. My break. My break time. It's a living. <laughs> <laughs> my junior there's only one hour of continuous running. So they were, you know, they were dogs, so they were cute little guys. And they weren't really thought of as pets. They were thought of as appliances. But they were brought to church to serve as foot warmers. <sighs> and one memorable anecdote says that during service at a church in Bath, the Bishop of Gloucester gave a sermon and uttered the line, It was then that Ezekiel saw the wheel. And at the mention of the word wheel, several turnspit dogs who had been brought as foot warmers ran for the door. <laughs> And, oh, Queen Victoria kept retired turnspit dogs as pets. Right there. There's the thing. So she didn't have corgis. She had retired turnspit dogs. That's a lot of dogs, though. A lot of retired dogs, right? I mean, somebody's going to take them. And she had the money. The ones in the castle? All that opium dough, you know? Kept kept those turnspit dogs in a life of luxury. Yes. QE1 with all Mm -hmm. the dogs. It's very cute. 
I would love to have a foot warmer dog. That sounds so great. Mm-hmm. You gotta Warm, train it. Cuddly. You can train it. Yeah. Yeah, just you can train a dog to be super chill. Yeah. Yeah. And run. Until I wanted to run for hours. I mean, they'd be tired, right? They'd be tired and they'd be willing to rest on your feet. Yes. That is true. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's their dog vacation. Can so, I still be friends with a spit dog? Or does it... So it wasn't... Or is it a working dog? It wasn't... It's a working dog. It wasn't traditional that they were, like, friends. They weren't, like, your friend the dog. Mm-hmm. It was your appliance the dog. And they were called Vernapater Kurs. Kur uh, is, is short for curtailed dog, uh, which is a way that um, dogs of the nobility and dogs of the peasantry were distinguished from each other, hmm. is that nobility, they were allowed to keep their dog's tails long, but if you were a peasant, you had to cut off the dog's tail and curtail it. Why? Mm. Why? 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 Why was that a thing? That because the required? nobility is terrible, and they like to show off their things. Same reason you're not allowed to wear certain colors at this point in time, if you're mm. not nobility. I would think maybe if you were trying to stop the common people from stealing your noble dogs you would do the opposite <laughs> where like the noble dogs are missing their tail yeah. because just have some really ugly dogs i don't think it was to like make, keep them from stealing it i yeah. think it was literally oh, like a marker yeah, yeah a status marker oh so uh it was a, so it was a low-class dog so it's called a herd of dog to make you feel good because the nobility is terrible they're awful all the time Thanks, thanks, Joe, for the backup. <laughs> yeah, that Damn. was a good song. <laughs> uh, that was a top uh, hit of 1830s. Yeah. yeah. So the cur, the cur part of their name is from that. And Vernapater is the Latin word for dizzy. So they were literally called dizzy dogs. Because they're running in a wheel all the time. Uh, it's very cute. It's adorable. They were described as long-bodied, crooked-legged, and ugly dogs with a suspicious, unhappy look about them. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so much sadder than I thought. Yeah, it's very bad. Can you imagine the recipes of the day where instead of it being like heat your oven to 350 degrees, it's like <laughs> make your dog run at a rate of 60 revolutions per two minutes. Oh, okay. So that, that leads me to another very sad thing. Oh, great. The dogs, the way you would change how fast they would run would be if they were running too slow, you would throw a red hot coal at their wheel oh. and have them run on it. And so they would have to keep running past it so their paws wouldn't burn. But from what you described, the the wheel has no door, so they could jump out. They're just trained to jump in. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's their whole job and what they get fed and trained for. You know, yes, they're they're dogs. They're inherently good, so they're just doing their job. They don't know any any other life. Yes. Poor, poor little fellows. Oh, this is adorable and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see comments about turnspit dogs in a lot of things. Charles Darwin uh, used them as an example of genetic engineering, <laughs> of, uh, select, of, of selective breeding. Uh, Darwin said, look at the spit dog. That's an example of how people can breed animals to suit certain needs. What's the description? Gnarled legs? Uh, crooked legs. And a sad, suspicious look. Mm. Poor little guys. And Benjamin Franklin's Pennsylvania Gazette had advertisements for turnspit dogs and wheels for sale, including a method of transporting the wheels that was supposed to be revolutionary. Ah. Uh, And yes, the pun was in there (laughs) because Benjamin Franklin loved puns. So eventually the SPCA... Like, was used the turnspit dog as one of, like, their founding things. Like, look how terribly these dogs are being treated in the 1850s. I didn't realize the SPCA was so old. Yeah, it's quite old. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been around a long time. Modern people aren't the only ones who don't like seeing animals get hurt. So by 1850, they'd actually become very scarce. By 1900, they had disappeared. Does anyone want to guess why? 1900? Mm-hmm. Electricity. Yeah. Yep. Electricity. The availability of cheap turn-spitting machines called clock jacks, so they're actually 
wound up with clockwork, made them obsolete. But moreover, it became a sign of poverty to have a turnspit dog because it showed you couldn't afford a clock jack. So whereas everyone used to have these dogs as like appliances or, you know, at least have a thing built on their chimney to turn the wheel for them, it became just a thing of like, oh, you got a dog to turn the wheel? A dog, really? You don't have one of these shiny new clockwork machines? Mine's stainless steel. And apparently because they were ugly and known to be like morose, sad little dogs. Of course. No one wanted to keep them as pets when they weren't useful anymore. So they just went extinct because no one kept breeding them. There is one extant stuffed turnspit dog at the Abergavenny Museum named Whiskey. And he is stuffed and is in a little box with a little blue painted background and a spray of artificial flowers. So, so they think this dog, at least, but Whiskey, the turns to a dog, was genuinely cared for. And then just bury him in his wheel. <laughs> the wheel's too valuable. <laughs> they need that for the next dog. Ah, yeah. And that is the story of the turnspit dog. Wow. Their closest modern relative is thought to be the corgi today. <gasps> Callback. <clears throat> I wonder if that's why... Uh... Was it Queensy Toosie? Is that what we were talking about? Yeah, Kiwi Tooie. Kiwi Tooie. Kiwi Tooie. Whoa, whoa, she likes turns with dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. That's nice that they have similar dog tastes. Yeah. Yeah, she probably knows. Probably by design. It's all about continuity. Continuity, that's right. If you could choose from having a series of pet squirrels... The new uh, or one spit dog which would you choose i feel like the squirrels would get it'd be hard because you have to switch them out more and they don't have as much velocity so you'd have to have a series of small wheels for the squirrels to run in yeah. and then you'd have to have them all running at the same pace or some of them would just like fall down and get stuck in the wheel and start spinning around and then you have a dizzy vomiting squirrel and but think how cool you would feel when you were like oh yeah this is just my squirrel setup <laughs> <laughs> It's you just, want some it's, chicken? You know, I think it's just warmer. You know, it's a warmer sound to the wheels. But if there was an alternate inventor who did a squirrel, uh-huh. but there was a sound of being poor, like you couldn't afford dogs, you had to go oh. get squirrels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh that's well, true. Squirrel. It probably would turn into a status thing. Squirrels are free, you know? Yeah, squirrels are free. <laughs> I think that, but I think some people would get, like, up their own butt about it. I was being like, oh, you use dogs? I live free off the land with squirrels. Dogs are a scam. <laughs> you can get the same all-natural result from free-range squirrels. You just go out and you catch them. I've never seen anybody train squirrels. They are untrainable. Well, have you been to the common? They'll come right up to you. Yeah. They'll come right up to you because they want to rob you. One time when I was at college, I saw a really fat squirrel dragging a cookie as big as itself up a tree. And it was like... It was like stopping every few like steps because it was like Weezing. yes, <laughs> it was you could hear it going. It's <laughs> oh, it was like it was like look at what we've done to nature by being careless college students. This with this incredibly fat squirrel. Do more. You got a tough life, kid. <laughs> oh. uh, here's some fried chicken too. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, don't give it the taste of flesh. <laughs> Uh, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. What if they met? <clears throat> what if they had met? They never met. But what if these people from history had met? We're going to think 
about if they had met, but they never met. So what if these two people had met? What if they met? <laughs> I appreciate you trying to say I really that. like you. You got almost all almost the words. All of it. Yeah. Correctly. Yeah. It's yeah. years of karaoke training. <laughs> years. <laughs> years. Oh, yeah. That's uh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's good to know that those skills um, are transferable. Transferable skills. In real life. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To <laughs> make up songs, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have an internal kind of what if they met. Yeah. What if, in the afterlife, the real Sir Francis Drake <laughs> <laughs> met Oscar Hartzell. I guess this is two part. Oscar Hartzell can either think he's actually Sir Francis <laughs> yes, Drake yes. at this time. Yeah. Or he can be himself, the swindler fake heir. I think if he was himself, Sir Francis Drake would probably give him a wedgie for defrauding all of his possible heirs and all that. Bloody. Or maybe he would respect him because privateer. privateer, he also stole from people. Yeah, I think he would respect the hustle. Maybe he yeah. would have been like, you didn't do it honestly with violence like I did. <laughs> you did it by trickery and that is not honorable. But... England was his enemy. U.S. was England's enemy, so yeah. he was like, thank you for defrauding the American people. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But not, not in 1596. So you're saying, what if they met in hell, is what we're seeing here. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of ironic punishment yes. where they both, like, showered in gold, but no no food, trying to eat the gold. Yeah. Gold's in their stomach, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Great. They just have to lick stamps in perpetuity. That's so specific. Why stamps? Oh, because he committed mail fraud. <laughs> <laughs> but why does Sir Francis Drake have to lick stamps? Oh, I, I don't know. I was, just, <laughs> I was thinking about Oscar Herzl. Okay, okay. Herzl. He's just he's just looking one mile wide stamp, and by the time he gets to the other end, it's dry. The, it's dry at the other end. It's gonna start over. Wow. It's real real Sisyphus task. <laughs> yes. What do you think, Joe? I think Drake was like the the, cool, the actual like cool military guy who saw the world. So I don't think he would like the, the imposter too much because he was like, I did it with bare hands. These two hands have robbed so many people. You just ride them. These two hands. These hundreds of guns. Yes, and my <laughs> my government backing me up. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Oscar would have gotten up his like really like, hey, I did it without. Any guns or government? I did this all with my voice and my network of fraudsters. Well, Austin was supposed to be super charming, so oh. I think he would have gotten so you're, right. so you're saying they would have ended up kissing. Making Maybe. out. Definitely kissing. Definitely. But then kissing himself because... It's, he thinks he's Francis yeah, Drake. So he's just kissing yourself. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing wrong with kissing yourself. I, have I o- do it every day. <laughs> I have always wondered... If you time travel and met your former self, yeah, your no. former self, that's I've thought about this a lot. And then if you had sex I, together, I I think that any time travel machine that goes within your own timeline has to have a failsafe where you just shift into your body as it was then and take over yourself, yes. right? Because otherwise, you're gonna spend too much time. You're gonna waste all your time travel time making out with yourself. Yeah, you know, it, it's perfectly. You just you know, it's your body. Yeah. It's your, yeah, it's your body. It's the, no, the most naturally attractive thing yeah, to you. It should be. It's your own face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, what a charmer. I don't know if I believe the, <laughs> the, the, core, the core of this argument. Guys are like, we are so handsome. Maybe men are super into themselves or just these two specific ones. Maybe I'm just a narcissist. I don't know. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, I was thinking um, of myself. I'm I sorry, I, there was a mirror in here. I didn't yeah. hear what you said. I was taking myself. I was. I'm sorry. I was dreaming about what could be. I think there should be a corollary to that rule, though, that if you're in a different geographical area, you don't have to be subsumed by yourself. I guess. Because I might want to time travel, but just to be somewhere else. Yeah. Or to correct something that went wrong in another place during your own timeline. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. If I get overpowered by a sense of self-lust, I might just go back to (laughs) I might just start driving, driving up the highway until you get to find yourself. Like, man, I was going to try and catch that eclipse again. (laughs) With Celine Dion, I drive all night. I've come to this eclipse eclipse too many times. It's just a field of me. And oh, no. Oh, no. This is... This is an orgy now. Well, it's not an when orgy. in Rome. <laughs> You're right, it's not an orgy, it's masturbation. Yes, it's never an orgy. Yeah. Uh, it's a onesie. Yeah. Well, I also love that you would go song, back in time. You would go back in time to watch an eclipse again. Because <laughs> well, I saw it from Boston where it wasn't that interesting. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was interesting, but it wasn't the total eclipse. Yeah, instead of know? just waiting or traveling forward in time back to the same eclipse i know that one was but good different loc- yeah that's true that's fair um did you guys hear oh did you guys do an episode about eclipses 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 no, eclipse oh that that'd be good there's a lot of cool historical eclipses yeah. and the, this most recent one an unfortunate young lady was landed a, a eye protection that's not that great oh yeah so she had an eclipse shaped scar burned into her Oh no! Retina. Oh my god! Because she's staring at it. She's like, "I'm safe," but she was not no. safe. Yeah, and you can't tell uh, until the damage is already done because yeah. it doesn't hurt your eyes. Yeah, yeah. that's. Well, she should mm. go back in time and subsume herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. subsume herself. Get the. But would she still have the eclipse scars if she subsumed herself? <gasps> I don't no, think so. If you if you do it just before, yeah, right, right. and then you buy new glasses. Better glasses. Yeah. Yeah. I probably just wouldn't look at it. I'd be like, it's not worth it. <laughs> I traveled back in time. I see, I've seen a dozen eclipses in the time stream, rewinding themselves and fast-forwarding. Also, a chicken eat its own head. That was weird. A chick? What do you see when you travel through time? <laughs> what? Uh, wow. Not that. You're giving me a look. Not that. Wow. That was very oddly specific. Mm-hmm. So the Opium War took place in 1830, or I think that's where yours started. Started. Right. Actual start 1839. When, uh, again, they were trying to buy food. Okay. Uh, Captain Elliot. So 1830 is actually the, the <gasps> year that was pointed out in my story as when the um, Sir Francis Drake rumors hit the Midwest. Like, that's oh. when they started. The rumors were always around, but they, like, people started were probably People probably believed them because they were smoking so much opium. Yeah. Maybe. Or if they had been smoking opium, they wouldn't have the money to give to. That's fair. <laughs> I can't give you this money. It's my opium dough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I, I want to see. I can see Drake anytime puff on this. <laughs> uh, call it chasing the Drake. Chasing the Drake. <laughs> this is a little duck. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, that's about all we have time for this episode of Anachronismo. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Max. I'm Jackie. My name is Sho. We'll see you next time here on Anachronismo. Anachronismo.